from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Yeah, he did it again. You just arrived in the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser. This is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. As always, this episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor and SAP Global Platinum Partner, Sador. That's S-E-I-D-O-R. If your business is ready to move off QuickBooks or some other antiquated or hacked together solution give us a ring reach out to me we'll help you automate your business processes in fact you can actually sign up for our free discovery lab of sap business one happening this week i believe it's on the 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I will have the link below for the Discovery Lab so that you can check out Sador and SAP Business One. In fact, I'll be the host of the presentation, so it's going to be pretty awesome. Please show up, show your support. Love you guys, all you baby sharks and shark biters. Now let's get back to today's episode. Everybody is always looking for passive income, right? Boom. (laughs) Real estate comes up again. What would you guess? So who do we have today? None other than Danny Baitor. Since 2004, Danny has worked with many hundreds of investors on close to 5,000 transactions, helping them to build strong real estate property portfolios by investing in various U.S. metros. Danny helps both beginners and experienced investors by customizing each strategy based on experience age, goals, knowledge, and financial abilities. Danny grew up in Israel, has an engineering degree, and also served in the Israeli Special Forces. So, hey, I'm going to shut up. Let's bring Danny right on in here. Business strategy. Danny, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. (laughs) Thank you for having me, my friend. I'm so happy to finally get a chance to speak here. We've been going about this for quite some time, so thank you. There is a waiting list, but like I told everybody, if you want to be on the show, you can be on the show. You just may take some time, uh, which is why we're already scheduling into next year at this point. But anyways, Danny, we have a tradition here. First show, uh, uh, first question on every single show, same thing for every single person, which is, what's your background? What's your experience? You know, what's been your life journey? What do you do for a living? Basically, in a nutshell, what makes Danny, Danny? Yes, I've heard you ask this uh, before, and I'll say that uh, my background, professional background is in, in real estate investing. I've been doing it for about 21, 22 years. Um, not only personally investing myself in real estate, but also working and helping others to do pretty much the same thing that I, uh, um, you know, the tracks that I laid down for myself, I let my clients use that use, use that track as well. So business-wise or industry or or where do I execute is real estate investing. But when you ask, you know, every time when, you, when I heard you uh, talk to other guests and you ask that question, real estate investing does not define me. It's like how I go about it, I think, and how I conduct my affair is what more defines me. And Danny, the way I look at it, besides being a real estate investor, is someone who is detailed, someone who likes to put programs together, someone 
um, like one of my coaches that I heard for myself uh, a while ago said, you're very good or I'm very good. And I think it's true when she mentioned that uh, I like to challenge the status quo. So I think a lot throughout my career. You're a disruptor. Apparently, you know, it's kind of funny when, when it's, you know, when, when I was having a conversation with my coach, like an introductory uh, a while back, and she said, based on everything you tell me, you are someone who keeps challenging the status quo. I never thought of myself in that terminology, but when she said it, I was like, you know what? Honestly, it's very much true. From the days I got started investing, you can actually see what got me started is you know challenging the status quo. That's something good. It's something I can relate with as well too, as I kind of feel like even me personally, I do things that are different and you know, whenever I work for a company or doing something, people be like, hey, we tried this or we tried that. And I'm like, and it, and it failed. And I'm like, well, did you try it this way? Did you have the right people? Like there's so many different factors in there. I'm pretty sure that I can get this in a way that it can work. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I have to follow my sword because I fail. But it is what it is. I try to push the limits, push the boundaries and see what I can do to do, as you say, you know, challenge the status quo. Absolutely. Failing forward. Yeah. Failing forward. Exactly. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. So one of the th items that you wanted to talk about is, you know, the residential remote real estate investing. What is residential remote real estate investing? I'm glad you asked because I think that I always I keep forgetting not everybody knows what it means. Um, so I work, you know, I help my clients and myself to buy residential real estate, long-term rental properties, very you know far away from where we live. So I'm in California, Southern California these days. I used to live in Northern California. I used to live in Israel. Right? And I started investing while I grew up in Israel. While I used to live in Tel Aviv as a young engineer, I bought my first rental property in outside of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Talk about remote, right? So that's kind of the idea when I say remote investing, that's what comes into mind, right? You live in one area, one place of the world, one place of the country. Maybe that area is not necessarily attractive for investing in real estate, for being expensive or or rents are low, that doesn't mean you cannot go and invest somewhere else, you know? So when I lived in California, I continued investing in Phoenix. I invested in Dallas, in Oklahoma, in Florida. Those, those properties were a thousand to 3,000, 4,000 miles away from where my, where I live, where my presence is. And that never stopped me, the distance never stop me from continue to, to this day, continue investing. So that's the whole concept of doing it remotely or doing it, you know, from afar. So when you do that, when you say the remote real estate investing, is that something that you are doing yourself or is that something to where you have people like, for example, somebody like me, where I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you money for your residential remote real estate, uh, real estate investing fund. Uh, you know, is it which one of the two is it exactly, or is it both? I do it myself for my own portfolio, my own, you know, financial, you know, uh, wealth. 
Uh, but when I do it not as a personal person, as an investor, when I work with clients, I help them. I help. I help them facilitate the investment. So, if you really kind of refine the process, at the end of the day, you know, when we work to, when we, if we work together, David owns a rental property. You know, let's say in Tampa, Florida, or in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, right, or something along those lines. And regardless where you live, you know, regardless if you live nearby or very, you know, far away. So you own that property. So I'm not raising money into a fund. I'm not taking your money and investing it for you, uh, you know, like uh, as if it's my money directly. I am helping you facilitate that transaction. Um, where to buy, what to buy, how to analyze, who to work with, who will manage, who will solve issues and problems after you own that property because they will come up. They will come up, right? So that's where we come in and we try to create a knowledge base an educational base, but also an execution. So it's not just theoretical, but you can actually go and execute and deploy on that knowledge, right? So it's about understanding and doing. Okay, I got a couple questions that come out of here. First one is, as we start about real estate market, uh, how is the market right now? I mean, it seems like it's mixed. We're down from the pandemic highs, I think. But that's also because interest rates are pretty much out the roof, right? Uh, how is it? it? It's hard for me to judge. I'll, I'll try to still talk in generalities. But um, the first thing I want uh, people to understand is when we talk about the, the real estate market in the U.S., it's actually 300 real estate markets, which each has, may have its own pattern or behavior, and they don't all necessarily behave the same way but generally speaking um after you know in in july of 2022 we started seeing that the market is going into some that's a year ago uh into some sort of a cool down correcting slowing down interest rate were coming up and that was very uh expected i think we went into a uh, not i think now we know we went to a phase of relatively high uncertainty and lack of confidence in the market. Mm -hmm. Plus, we were reading headlines in the news that uh, big companies were laying off people. That didn't right. help uh, the situation. So a lot of people between the second half of 2022 and the first quarter of 2023 were kind of sitting back. Also, the, we were seeing the interest rate going up and it kind of became less attractive for a lot of people for, I would say, mainly psychologically, mainly uh, thinking about uh, um, confidence in, in the real estate or the economy. Right. That changed. About the second quarter, beginning of the second quarter, just about of 2023, we started seeing more and more people coming back into the marketplace to buy houses. Now, when people start to, you know, so when people start coming back to the market, you know, to the, um, to the real estate to buy. I'm not when I say people, I don't talk about investors. Investors are a big tail of the homeowners, right? So the real estate, residential real estate market in the US is two-thirds homeowners, about one-third investors. So it's a big tail. But the tail is not dictated, it's not wagging the, the head. It's actually, you know, the homeowners are dictating, you know, the behavior of the market. Um, what we started seeing is that people are coming back because what the way I interpret it. During the second half of 2022, a lot of people were uh, were um, waiting for a crash, for a correction, for a downturn, for all of those. 
it did not really materialize, right? It may still happen, but at the same time, we didn't see prices going down. We did see interest rate going up. We didn't see major layoff. If you read beyond the headline and you look at the percentage of people being laid off by big corporations, those are actually relatively small percentages. Job growth was still there. So almost every month, the uh, you know the economy was adding more job than anticipated, maybe only one month towards below. So things were actually doing better. Inflation continued you know, uh, uh, to, to, to go up. So that expectation of market correcting itself severely did not materialize just yet, right? It may still, it may not. Now people are coming back saying, I want to leave, right? I still want to, you know, I moved to another city. I got a promotion. I'm downsizing. I'm upsizing. I'm sightsizing, whatever. And they're coming back already making peace with the higher interest rates. So they're okay with it because that's the norm now. You know, they don't, they're no longer comparing it to what was available more than a year ago. Prices have also come down too. So in a way, hasn't that equalized? Not really. Not really? Not really. For the most part, prices, for a little while, this, there was stagnation in prices. Um, when you would see price reduction, it was more artificial because someone would maybe trying to create some sort of attention to a house that price dropped, but they were dropping it like by small numbers. So you didn't really see price you know, going down more stabilizing. I would, I'd, I think that the way the mar most of the markets behaves was the, they were no longer appreciating or going up. The prices were not going up as fast. They slowed down the pace of going up. Now we have a problem because what happened is buyers are coming back, sellers are not. So there's a big deficit between how many people are looking to buy and what's the availability, supply and demand. So the supply and demand gap is very big in this country right now. And normally when you have a huge problem of supply and demand, it only leads to one thing. Price is going up, not going down. People are sitting on cheap rates, mortgage rates, super cheap from the COVID era. And they don't want to let those uh, mortgages uh, go because if they let the 3% rate go and now they have to buy something for 6% or even higher, that's double the cost for the same price of a house, not to mention maybe that house is more expensive or they have to buy something smaller to, to even be closer to the same payment. So that's the challenge. People are not selling. So then the second part of the question is, that was a great, great answer on the overview of the market. Thank you for that. But my next question would be then, um, what about like, how do you coach people on making those big financial decisions as far as investing in something like rentals? What what type of person should invest in rental? Is it realistic that you can make a lot of money with just one rental? Or is that something that you need to scale up to where you have five, six, seven, eight, ten rentals before you start seeing actual cash flow from it. I mean, what what's your take on that? How do you coach them through that process? And what's your actual beliefs on, you know, one property versus 10 properties? Excellent points. You know, very good points. And I'll, I'll, I'll maybe need to kind of take them one at a time. I will say you're, you're not doing a sales rep thing. Like you're not doing outbound sales. These are people that are coming to you 
They already did like some basic research and they're somewhat interested. Now they may need to maybe to push them off the edge to be like, buy it. Like, don't be nervous. You're good. But you're not these people are generally interested in what you're offering. So what, what I normally see, that's exactly right. What I normally see is people that are approaching us, that they have some interest, but they have a lot of questions, like where and how and who can I trust and how do I decide what property and uh, what's the process. And some have zero experience with real estate, some have a little bit, some have more, um, but they need someone to help them kind of lift all those mental and also operational blockages or barriers, right? And that's where we come in. And that's where, where I always talk, there is a educational container and executional container. And a big part of what we do is we identify those barriers with them. And, and they just come up with a lot of questions. And then we start saying, okay, this is how you tackle you know, property managers. This is how you analyze a property. This is how you select a market. This is how you select a property. This is the process of buying. Right, you will review a property, put an offer, and go through all those steps. And a lot, and throughout that process, we put a strong, super strong emphasis on calibrating expectations. Right, to, to want them to to tell them this is not a you know a lot of people come in not a lot, but some people come and think this is buy and forget or this is passive income. It is not. It's a myth. Uh, you got to understand. You know, people have to understand how much time is involved when you buy, how much time when you own. And we try to explain and teach and, and kind of calibrate those expectations even before they start the process. So by the time they start, they have a lot more clarity about how things will behave, what the process is, what are the steps. You know, they know not all their answers are going to be, all their questions are going to be answers. There's always unknowns and there's always, you know, risk of obviously Exactly. But we want to minimize the, the unknown, minimize the noise in the system, minimize the lack of knowledge. And also, kind of, if, if I'm able to, kind of draw from my confidence, right? You lack the confidence. I, I wouldn't say I'm 100% confident about every property, but I have a higher level of confidence just because of the experience. I want to give my clients that ability. I, many times I look at it like, I'm like their older brother, you know, who's been through their rings. I'm like the you know, the guy that can call up and say, hey, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure. But so it's kind of someone on their corner looking out for the best interest. You know, I always tell my clients, I'll always tell you what I think about a property. I am no rush to sell you a property that I don't think if, if you know, it may not be a good fit for you. So there's another one around the corner that could be a better fit for you. Let's wait and get that, you know, that one. And that's where you're you're pushing the status quo a little bit, because my question for you is, do you view yourself more like a financial advisor or a real estate agent? Yeah, um, much more an advisor than or a consultant with a system, not just the consultancy, but with a system, right? Because sometimes advisors only advise what to do, but now you have to go and execute by yourself. And that's... Um, and, and less, and I use in our system local realtors. We have local realtors, so they are actually doing the traditional work of a, of a realtor, and that's why I don't need to do the actual work of a realtor. So it's more of a consultant quarterback. Uh, you just pawned it off to someone else. 
That's a being a smart boss. Ah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, explain a little bit though more about your system and how that whole process works, because I, I find it interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So throughout whatever marketing channel, like you know, like this, some YouTube, you know, a lot of friends telling friends that's usually our biggest, you know, a growth engine. Someone reaches out. The first thing we do is say, hey, before we even talk, go complete our pre-meeting intake. That maybe takes three, four minutes. That's not too personal, doesn't cost anything, but they provide some data before we even meet. And that actually helps calibrate, already started calibrating the expectation for the meeting, right? They have to think a little bit about the answers. They got a little bit prepared. Then we have about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour open conversation, right? No sales speech whatsoever. Let's just try and understand what are your fears, concerns, questions, um, everybody has different ones. So that conversation is more to clear the air, create some, some you know, clarity in, in all of the system, maybe talk a little bit about the different areas we are in, a little bit about the process. We don't dive deep into everything. Once they are comfortable, and I always tell my clients, I, I tell them, listen, the goal for me from this you know, uh, introduction, introductory conversation is to make you feel comfortable. If you're comfortable with me, with us, with our system, you will come and work with us. If you're not, you won't. So that's my biggest agenda for that, you know, uh, for that session to give them, put them at ease, right? That it is doable and this is that we are looking out for the best interests, you know, all in all. Um, if they want to join and start working with us, we have them sign a quick, doc, you know, a short document and we do a kickoff session. The kickoff session is the opposite of the introductory. It's like step-by-step, step, very, very much, again, and calibrating expectations, um, you know, on, on the different, the process, what's going to happen. Calibrating expectations, framing expectations, I think is one of the most important things that you can do. Like I am like a calibrating expectation nut on those for every, every step of the way. So the more they're calibrated, they know what's happening, less stress, less unknown, less surprises, the more the process will streamline, right? And that's what I'm, I'm aspiring to do. And then, we, you know, once they, we do the kickoff, we, we start presenting them with properties that we filter. So we have very clear criteria what is qualified and what is not in our world of real estate. And we trim the list of 500 you know, available properties today to maybe 10 that could be relevant in our criteria. And out of those 10 together with the client, we will try to pinpoint out of those 10, the one or two that are more suitable for the couple or him or her, because everybody has different you know, constraints and new belief system and budget, et cetera. So that's how we trim it down, put an offer, go through the process of negotiation, inspection, lending, helping them with the mortgages, closing, we already have property managers lined up to ready to manage those properties. We help them with that as well. And we continue supporting our clients after they close. So we don't say, hey, you closed. We got paid. Good good luck and see you around. Wash your hands. You're gone. Right, right. We call that, I do ERP for a living, and we call that our post-go-live support. You know, we're there to help you once the system goes live. We're not one of those people that just... Uh, sell you, hook you up, and then disappear. You know, we view this as a growth partnership. You know what I found maybe six, seven years ago? I always told my clients, we're going to be here after the new purchase to support you with questions, you know, situations, problems, etc. But then I found out maybe six or seven years ago, 
sometimes those support calls are a little bit annoying or they're time consuming and they're like uh, complaining. And then I saw that every time again and again, I come in and I help them. And many times there is surprise. Two years have passed. We haven't spoken and I'm, I'm there picking up the phone, helping the situation, helping resolving it. All of a sudden, you know, like, oh, my God, you, you said you'll be there, but we didn't really knew if you're going to be there and we'd like it that you're there. Although I told them I'll be there, they didn't, you know, maybe not fully believe that that's what happened. And when you solve someone's problem, right, you become their best friend. And almost always those conversations are turning into, okay, I'm ready to buy the next one. And I don't even have to say anything, right? I already know. I'm going to help you regardless if you're going to buy the next one or not, because that's my belief system. That's what I told you. That's my promise to you. I believe that too. I mean, my thing is you just make sure that you you sell it, then you sell right. And if you're not the right fit, help them. Lead them right down the right look. We're not the right fit, but this is probably a better solution for your business. I, I can hook you up and best of luck. So let's jump into uh, really the last topic that we want to talk about today. And that's just going to be the financial and really behavior problems of individuals around money, because money is such a taboo topic. So uh, let's talk about some of these financial and behavior patterns that you have discovered with all your years of experience, give us all the goods. That's, that's an excellent point. So there's probably a few of them. There's many of them, but few that really stand out. So um, a lot of people have a, a very strong fear to put the offer, even when they know they can terminate. So just, I see that the, the biggest challenge, the obstacle at the beginning of the process is not buying is signing the first offer, right? Which for me is not really, why would you be so concerned? Especially that you can terminate. Still, that's a very, very big concern. And I remember clearly at least one client that I just, like you said earlier, I gave her the push, so to speak. And she said, I needed the push. She said, I needed the push. I gave her the push. And she said, if you did, if you would have not given me that push saying, buy that, make that offer, you know, I, she would not purchase multiple properties. So that was one interesting thing, uh, behavior. Another interesting behavior that I've noticed is something that happens about two years in. So they buy a property and almost always at the two-year mark from buying that property, and maybe they bought another one through that uh, time, not always, they all have a like an, uh, an aha moment, a wake-up moment, a, like what's going on here? Because usually the two-year mark, you see that there's some equity accumulated a little bit by maybe a little bit of appreciation, maybe a little bit, you know, principal reduction, some cash flow. So all of a sudden, some 20, 25, $30,000 have accumulated somewhat in the background of their lives. And they know this is not 100% passive. And they almost always say, Danny, you told us we're going to have some miscommunication with the property manager. You said you're going to have, we're going to have some repairs, maybe some vacancy. Everything happened pretty much as you told us. So no surprises. You told us it happened. But the fact that in a period of about two years, we were able to save 25000 30000 and we didn't really work at that. We spent maybe an hour or two a month on average, sometimes a whole three months go without nothing. Wow we were never able to save that much money while being busy, while being, you know, jobs and kids and everything. And when they see that, when they do that math, math immediately you can see that their the whole, you know, 
uh, home economics is changing, either by design or subconsciously. And all of a sudden, how come I was able to save $25,000, $30,000 with this one rental property? I need to find out how I can buy another one or another two or more sooner, quicker, more sooner and quicker. And it's almost always like two years, they get that. Mm, interesting, right? That, that kind of aha moment. Wow. Uh, hey, I got to tell you, Danny, this has been a, amazing. It's it's a wealth of knowledge going into real estate, financial, how they kind of blend together, especially when you're talking about rental properties. And I really appreciate how you have a system set up and how you set the expectations. You frame it properly. Like you just said, like, hey, you're going to need repairs. You're going to need this. You're going to need that. And how people do that. Uh, do me a favor to end, wrap up this interview. Tell us uh, the name of your business, where we can find your business, and how people can reach out to you to find out more information. Pleasure. Thank you for letting me do that. Uh, my company name is Simply Do It. Simply Do It. That's so pretty I simple. <laughs> So I go by, I, I always say my web identity is just write simply do it online or simply do it real estate. And if you remember my name, you'll find us our website, you know, the different, you know, the you know, Facebook page and stuff like that. That would be the easiest. I mean, I can give an email, but that's just go and see simply you. Simply do it. Dot net. Um, and you'll, you'll, you'll find us. And then however you'll send a message. We'll probably get it. So people always say go through online and maybe through Facebook. It doesn't matter. It all comes to the same place. One last final question before we end this amazing interview with you, Danny. Should people invest this year or should we wait till next year at this point? I'll answer it with a, with a, with a life experience. Since 2002, I would say uh -huh. since 2004, when I started investing, there was never a period I didn't buy. Never a period even throughout the crash of 2008, wow. right? So there was never a period of not buying. So if that, I hope that answers like the question. Yes. Every market has an opportunities. It's all about finding what the right opportunity the right in every ones. relevant market. So I think, you know, if you don't mind me just saying one thing I always tell my clients and that really short and that kind of, the, the, you know, the, 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 the essence of it, the gist of it, if you buy quality and hold long-term, you'll probably do very well. You know, the a lot of people don't understand how simple that is. And they go and look for the crappy, bad property, and, you know, in a, in a not so good area. But just buy quality property in a good area and hold it long term being at least five, ideally seven or more. You'll probably do OK and, and more than or just OK. Quality long term, you know, just simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is incredible. Hey, Danny, thank you so much for coming on Pleasure. and coming on the show, sharing your knowledge, your expertise, everybody. I know they love it. That's what we do each and every week on this show. Bring people to learn how they can grow personally, professionally and grow their businesses. Again, you can check out Danny, his website, simplydoit.net. We will have a link down below in the description. Danny, extremely grateful that you came on, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, again, check out simplydoit.net. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Cheers. Wow, that was an incredible chat with Danny, right? 
First, though, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button, because you know Shark Bite this is the greatest kept secret out there in the world of small business. So please, share us out to your friends, your colleagues, anywhere you can. I'd love to see nothing more than Danny and Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Now, let's get back to the real rock star of the show, Mr. Danny. Danny, we have many people of like you on the show over the last three years, you know, sharing real estate investment strategies, tips, stuff like that. But to be honest, I really loved your take because you make your decisions on the individual's experience, their age, their goals, their knowledge and their financial abilities, which is a little bit different than what I've heard from other people. Like you get very deep as far as how you analyze how you take on a new client, let's call them, a new investor, whatever they would be, and then you kind of get them into the right portfolio so they, they can meet their goals. Helping people earn passive income, you know, or perhaps even create generational wealth, well, that, my friend, that is the American dream. Awesome stuff, Danny. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your expertise, and please, check out his website. It's very simple. It's simplydoit.net. Question of the day. What do you think about real estate investment? Is it part of your portfolio or not? Also, if you want to be in the show, interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. We do have a little bit of a backlog, but send it and you will eventually get on the show. Remember, please, if you're watching on YouTube or our Spotify RSS feed, you can join the channel, become a baby shark. Only $3 a month helps us out. Every dollar you give us, we put back onto the show. I don't need to make money at this show. I just want the show to pay for itself and to spread the word as much as we can. Also, remember... Our sponsor, SAP Platinum Partner, Sador. They are incredible. It's my employer, too, so obviously I'm going to say they're incredible, right? <laughs> but they are incredible. Uh, we are one of nine platinum partners in the world, and we are having an SAP Business One Discovery Lab session, okay? So small businesses, small to medium-sized businesses, You maybe you manufacture, maybe you distribute, you know, anything that uh, retail, things like that, you know, that you need a system that engulfs your whole business from A to Z, that's where this Discovery Lab and SAP Business One is going to be perfect for you. It's 824, that's August 24th at 1 p.m. EST. The link will be down below. I will be hosting it and my co-host Peter Nelson on that will also be uh, doing the demo himself. It'll be a live session, Q&A, all of that. So shark biters, baby sharks, Come support us. Join the Discovery Labs. Again, the link will be right below Danny's link right down uh, in the description. You all know this by now, but I'll say it for the 212th time. I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and we'll see you next episode. Ciao. You just experienced Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Please like, comment, and subscribe to the show to help us spread the word about personal, professional, and business growth. Want to be on the show? Send an email to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. A special shout out to our sponsor, SAP Platinum Partner, Sador. Get off QuickBooks and move your business to the next level. Reach out for more info. Thanks for listening and see you next time.